we just think, oh, we're going to be judged or stigmatized and our life is completely over. And yes, it, it did seem like that for sure. I even took a photo of myself crying one time. I was just so just horrible. And I took a photo and I said, I will remember this day because I know that I will come out someday. Um, and it reminds me that I really didn't think that I didn't know what my life was going to look like after that. It's just totally different. Hello, and welcome to Fork in the Road podcast. I'm your host, Kathy Galloway, and here we share stories of women forced to choose between leaning into an invested career in corporate America or daring to venture onto an unknown path. On this episode, I have a moving and inspiring guest who provokes us to believe there is something beyond the worst we can imagine. I'm Hannah K. Herdlinger, small business owner, speaker and advocate, and a survivor of domestic violence. I'm so thankful that Hannah K. was sent my way to share her story. She talks about profoundly impactful moments in her life with candor and vulnerability in a way that helps us connect with her deeply and then challenges us to think beyond the moment. Somehow she balances being present with a vision for the future in a very authentic way. Listen for her thoughts on believing there is something more for you and making progress even when you don't know what progress looks like or where you're headed. I hope you will be as moved as I was. Hannah Kay, I'm so happy to be talking to you today. You have such a unique story and I'm excited to get get it on record and let everyone hear a little bit about it. So welcome. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to be a part of this today. Great. Well, let's jump right in because I I know a bit about your story and um, and it's so compelling and so interesting that I want to just get right to the meat of it. Let's start with a little history lesson about Hannah Kay and how she got to where she got. Um, talk to us a little bit about your life in the past. So where where were you when you were headed towards what sounds like was your first fork in the road um, that, that has led you to where you are today? Tell us about that. Absolutely. So again, thank you so much for having me. And my whole story starts, I was born and raised in the South. Um, I graduated from the University of Georgia. And then from there, I moved to Washington, D.C. to start my career in government. And I was working on Capitol Hill. I became the youngest scheduler in the United States Senate. And then I was recruited to join the Facebook team in Washington, D.C. help to help start their Washington, D.C. office. And so I was working at Facebook and I reunited with my college sweetheart and we fell in love again. (laughs) We got married and we moved back to his little hometown in Georgia. And Facebook still let me continue my job remotely. And, you know, everything just seemed perfect. You know, I had this awesome career. I was married to my college sweetheart. Everything looked perfect. And it looked perfect on the outside. And that's what I hoped that it looked like. Mm. Because here is my first fork in the road, which is things don't always seem as perfect on, you know, or aren't always as perfect on the outside as they are, as they appear. 
And so behind closed doors, I was in an abusive relationship, an abusive Mm -hmm. marriage. And so that was really my first fork in the road that was forced upon me and not something that I necessarily chose. And, but my first fork was to kind of determine what am I going to do? I'm in this abusive marriage and I knew that I needed to get out because it went from bad to worse. And in fact, um, one night it was Super Bowl Sunday and things got so violent that um, the doctor actually told me had one hit been slightly harder or to the right that I could have ended up in a coma or I also could have died. And it was at that moment that I knew that I needed to leave this abusive marriage. Hmm. And so that was really my, my first fork is determining that I've got to get out. I need to restart my life. The rug was pulled out from under me. I really wasn't sure what I was going to do. And I was working for, my boss was Cheryl Sandberg at Facebook at the time. And so I called her to let her know what had happened and to ask for some time off to go through my divorce and get things situated. And not only did she give me the time off that I requested, but she also gave me a chance to restart my life and move out to California and work with her at Facebook headquarters. So after my my first work, I had this support of people around me who gave me the opportunity to really restart my life and continue my career. Wow, what a what an incredible moment to have someone in a leadership role like that um, in Cheryl to be an advocate for you. And and I don't want to gloss over you know this obviously the story of of you and your your ex husband and what happened there. Um, but I think in the context of this podcast and, and what other women might be suffering from, whether it's abuse or their own unique story, um, having someone there to support you that is in a position of power seems so important and, and valuable and critical particularly in your case, where we really were talking about a life or death situation, um, how valuable is it for, for you to have someone like that, right? Absolutely. And, you know, I knew that I was very fortunate to have the support of friends and family and my boss during that time. And before I left Georgia to move out to California, I packed up my dream home. I had my dream home with my ex-husband that I Mm. thought, you know, we'd live in forever, but I packed up everything and I donated it to a local domestic violence shelter. Mm. And that's when I really was first introduced to what the domestic violence shelter really is. I would be lying if I said that I wasn't in the camp of just thinking, you know, it's a a room with a bed and people kind of go through and as they're transitioning, but it's so much more than that because the shelters are that safety security. They provide programs to help survivors get back on their feet. And so those shelters are what Cheryl Sandberg was in my life for me to help people get back on their feet. Wow. That's, that's a, an incredible visual imagery there. And, and tell me, 
so you, I think it struck me that you said you had this perfect life, you have this perfect home. Um, again, if I'm trying to think broadly, right, not everyone is suffering from that same exact situation, but for many people, regardless of their situation, they feel a lot of the similar emotions. Here you have this perfect household, this perfect, what seems like a perfect life. Um, tell me about some of the emotions you were going through, what, what I assume were not similar to um, grief or not unsimilar to grief, not different than grief and, and having to kind of walk away from that moving to California, right? Absolutely. So it really was, I mean, everything on paper, again, looked perfect. And so with the world of social media and trying to keep up with letting, posting the great things on Facebook and keeping it up like that. Um, and that is honestly one reason why I probably stayed longer than I did is I thought that I would be judged and stigmatized and that I didn't want to have that big word divorcee on my head walking around thinking everybody would <laughs> be judging me all mm. the time. And so that was one of the reasons why I probably stayed longer than I should have until it got much worse. But in reality, once I got out um, and realized that there really was support and we just think, oh, we're going to be judged or stigmatized and our life is completely over. And yes, it, it, did seem like that for sure. I even took a photo of myself crying one time. I was just so just horrible. And I took a photo. And I said, I will remember this day because I know that I will come out someday. Um, and mm. it just reminds me that I really didn't think that I didn't know what my life was going to look like after that. Um, and yeah. now it's just totally different. And, and incredible and, and wonderful, right? And in the end, it works out. I had a similar conversation with um, one of my guests who's been impacted by COVID uh, and impacted by COVID in her career, um, thankfully not, not in health. Um, but we spent a lot of time talking about how often being in the moment feels like the moment will never end that when you're in that space and whatever that moment of grief or stress or or what have you you feel that this is life forever and it's it's weighing and heavy and difficult to envision what could be coming next what is around the corner and and yet for those of us that um or for for those of you I don't think I found myself in, in that situation yet, at least not at the intensity that you and she have found yourselves in. Um, we, we find a way, you, you guys find a way to look forward. I think for you to be able to sit in that moment where you're devastated and you're crying and to take a photo and say, I'm going to remember this and I'm going to, I'm going to look back on this is, it's, I want to use the word mature, but I think that's because I have teenagers that are always talking about that, but, but there is a sort of maturity in the way that we mature in our 40s, that, that we mature as women in our 30s and 40s, um, that, that really says a lot about you and, and your ability to know that you're going to outgrow a difficult challenge. What, what advice would you give to others, myself might be included, who struggle with that, who, who find it a little harder to say, I know that there's something better. 
Absolutely. It, it's not easy. It, it may have sounded that easy looking <laughs> back, um, but it, it really wasn't. I mean, I, just like many other people, I thought there was no way that I could move forward. And really, there is power in positivity. And knowing that you don't know what it looks like afterwards, just knowing, continue to get up, put one foot in front of the other, get off the couch, which trust me, I know is so, so hard, but just do a little something every day and you never know what that's going to turn into. Mm -hmm. And, you know, again, I know and recognize that I was very fortunate in my situation that I was able to take the time off that I needed and then sort of jump back in 3000 miles away from where I was and really restart that new life. But there's always something that sticks with you when you go through something like that. And really just, you know, thinking about the other people who have gone through situations like I have no stories the same, nothing looks exactly the same, but there are other people who share things with you as well. Yeah, that's a a great transition point. So let's talk about your at Facebook, you've got a whole new life ahead of you. I imagine at that time, you're kind of full of optimism, thinking nothing can stop me. I'm, I'm ready to go. But the universe was not done with you yet. Yes. <laughs> so tell me what happened. Yes. Yeah, so I did. I moved out to California, I was working with Cheryl at Facebook headquarters. And during this time, um, she launched her nonprofit, Lean In, which for those that don't know is a women's empowerment organization. And it also has a book, Lean In. And then she started the um, foundation. And so she asked me to run operations for this global nonprofit. And so I moved from Facebook to the nonprofit. I was running operations. I was surrounded by amazing women, working with amazing women from around the world every day. And there was just something in the back of my head that kept saying, you know, I want to do something for other domestic violence survivors. I want to help and I have no idea what I want to do or how I'm going to do it. But I know that that's where my heart lies. And so Cheryl gave a commencement address to the students at UC Berkeley after she had lost her husband. And it was live life like you have 11 days. And that was on a Saturday. And on Tuesday, I just decided, you know what, I'm going to live life like I have 11 days. And I let her know that I was going to be finding my own path. And I wanted to help victims of domestic violence find their ways to better lives. And I still, at that point, I still had no idea what I wanted to do, how (laughs) I was going to do it. I just knew at that moment that that's what I needed to do. That's crazy to me. As a type A, like planner to the nth degree, (laughs) I'm so impressed with that, that that you would do that and, and envious of having that kind of a passion in your life that you would do that. But, but talk to me like about, I don't know how long it took you, the 30 minutes or however long it took you to say, let me go find Cheryl and make this proclamation. (laughs) What was going through your mind? Like, what were you thinking? What were you debating? Or did you debate? Maybe your heart just led you and you just, I mean, it sounds like it did, just leapt. 
So it was actually timing is everything again. So that weekend that she gave her commencement address, I had actually decided for myself that I couldn't figure out what was sort of holding me back a little bit. I knew that something was and I didn't know. And so I took a weekend for myself. I went out to the middle of nowhere, pulled out a journal and just started writing and writing down all of my hopes and dreams and just started writing. But tell me what you mean when you say that something felt like it wasn't quite right. So I knew that I had this awesome job. I knew that I loved what I was doing, but I just felt like there was something else that I needed to be doing. Mm. And I, I really didn't know what that was, but I just felt like I wasn't where I needed to be, even though I had this awesome job. I loved doing what I was doing. It was just sort of this feeling. And once I took the time to go out by myself and start writing down everything, I started realizing that that was the theme of wanting to help victims of domestic violence. And it was sort of all of that Cheryl's speech saying, live life like you have 11 days, looking at my book of dreams in my journal and sort of putting it all together and saying, you know what? here's here's where I need to make that decision. Here's where I need to totally pivot and go in opposite direction. I, I love this visual of you sitting with a journal, working through your thoughts, through your feelings. Um, this has come up with several of my other guests. Uh, the idea that that you just need to center to yourself, that coming back to you and really trying to process what is in your mind and whatever that might be, wherever that leads you, but really understanding you and what you want out of life. In addition to being inspired, whether that's by an amazing person like Cheryl or it's by your dog, (laughs) doesn't matter. Um, What's important is that you're taking that time for reflection and thinking, right? I mean, that's what I'm, that's kind of what I'm hearing from you. That was so powerful for you. Yes, it was. And I am not a writer. Like I, Mm, (laughs) I, mm. you don't have to be a writer to write down your thoughts. It probably, if anybody else looked at it, it wouldn't make sense to anyone because I was writing all over different pages, but I was just getting it out. And then I was flipping back through and realizing this particular theme. And that's one thing you always hear people journaling and, and doing that. And I'm not a person who journals every night. Yeah, me either <laughs> at like all. <laughs> right. and, and part of it is sort of, I wasn't that writer who loved to sit down and write down things, but I knew just sort of sitting down and letting my mind wander and putting it down on paper and realizing that, you know, these are the things that I, I am passionate about, that I love, that I where I want to see myself, even though I still at that point didn't know <laughs> exactly what that what that meant. Like. Yeah, I knew that if I didn't get started, I would never know and it would never happen. Wow, that's a fantastic. I love this part of your story um, a lot. So you storm in, you tell Cheryl your <laughs> declaration, you don't really know what you're doing, you walk away from her and then what, what do you do next? Go to lunch or like, yes. what, what did you do? What came next? So, yes. so in the world of worlds where everything is unpredictable, mm. um, I actually then still knew that I wanted to do something to help victims of domestic violence, still didn't know what that was. 
But I also knew I wanted to be back on the East Coast because my friends and family and everybody's kind of on the East Coast and I wanted to be close to them too. So on my way back East, I detoured a little bit and I spent some time on Hillary Clinton's presidential campaign. This was in 2016. And then I helped Ariana Huffington launch her new business venture, Thrive Global in New York. And so again, I was surrounded by these awesome, wonderful, powerful women. And it was then that I also realized, you know what? I'm a powerful woman too. And I can do what I set my mind out to do. And so now I knew I was going to get serious. I had still didn't really know what I wanted to do. But as I mentioned earlier, before I left Georgia, I donated everything to the local domestic violence shelter. And I realized um, at that time that blankets and linens were some of the most requested items in shelters. And, you know, there's just something poetic about that because, you know, being wrapped up in a cozy, soft blanket, it makes you feel good, but it's also that comfort and security. Mm. And so I put together this business plan and I was going to merge this beautiful poetry of blankets with the um, needs that shelters have. Because Mm. after doing research, I found out that blankets and linens are requested items, but every shelter is different because some may need cleaning supplies or kitchen items or even something as simple as envelopes. And so I decided to put a business plan together that would merge everything together and I would sell blankets and donate 10% of my proceeds to domestic violence shelters across the country to support these needs that they have. But the thing is, I knew nothing about business, <laughs> nothing about blankets, nothing about oh how to get started. Hannah Kay, I think there's a theme to you that I could not love more, especially rounding off 2020, which is I don't need to know anything even. I need to have a passion and a desire to make change and to do something. And you just kind of jump into it. And I love this about you. Uh, And and I think it's an important part of your story that has really clearly has made such a big impact. And and so I love that. I had to interrupt you and tell you (laughs) that that's fantastic about you. So you you know nothing. You've got to come up with a plan. What did you do? I just started picking up the phone. I started Mm. picking up the phone and I called manufacturers all over the world. And I just said, teach me. I know nothing about blankets. What do I need to know? And I learned something every time I talked to somebody new. And I would also then ask for introductions or where, what should I read? How should I get information? Because everybody has something that they can teach you. Mm. And um, at first I thought, well, no one's going to take my calls. (laughs) I'm just going to be calling. Right. (laughs) Here we go. But you'd be surprised at how many people are so kind and thoughtful and generous with their time. People really do want to help. And that's, I just started picking up the phone and just being vulnerable and saying, I don't know, (laughs) please teach me. And that's how I learned. And then in October of 2017, I launched Thread Talk 
which is my company that does sell the softest, coziest blankets you've ever felt. And then we donate 10% of our proceeds to an organization called domesticshelters.org that funds these items to domestic violence shelters all across the country. What a great story and, and an important way for you to kind of circle, full circle in your life. Um, but I want to take a quick step back and talk about um, what I think a lot of people struggle with, myself included, um, in moving from I have a passion for something, I have an interest in something, to I've decided I'm going to start fill in the blank company. I want to hear a little bit about when you were in this moment, you're, you're traveling through the country, you're around these incredible women between Ariana and Hillary. We're on a first name basis, obviously. <laughs> and, and, um, and then you're sitting there thinking, I, I know there's something else for me. Where was the leap from, I have no idea what I'm doing and I have a passion and I'm making these phone calls looking for blankets, right? There's this space in between there where you really articulated an idea. How did that happen? There is. I think I probably had so many different thoughts and ideas and knowing that these were the things, you know, blankets and linens sort of stuck with me. And that is just something that kept bubbling back up. But I would be lying if I said one day I just woke up and I said, this is exactly what I'm going to do. It definitely went through lots of iterations. I mean, even coming up with the name Thread Talk, I probably had a hundred other names of trying to figure it out. So for someone, you know, it's not, I just woke up one day and started this mm -hmm. business. It was I woke up one day, I had an idea every single day I did something, it, even if it was just tiny, every single day I did something to get closer to my goal. And I still, I'll be honest, I still didn't even know what exactly that goal was besides I want to help other victims of domestic violence find their ways to better lives and understanding that shelters help provide that is, you know, it's really, that was sort of the connection piece. The there. driver, I, that, that to me, I think is, is key, right? Is that you had a, a clear idea of the mission, mm -hmm. that the mission was, I need to help these women in these shelters how am I going to do that? There's still a question mark. How does it come to life? It's, is it blankets? Am I just doing speeches and raising money? Or am I in the shelter? Am I going to become a director of a shelter? Like what the thing comes to life is still a question, but clarity on this is the place and, and the way in which I am going to contribute to the world. Um, even if it's for the short term, which I want to talk about a second is where do we go from here? But what, what the longevity of it is not in question. What, what is clear is this is what I'm going to do. And I think that that is really helpful um, even for myself to think about as you're, as we, the audience and myself included are thinking about what is that passion that I want to live into. Um, that clarity of a mission first really helps to figure out where you go from next. Does that sound right? Yes. Yeah. 
Fantastic. So let's talk about then where do we go from here, right? So you've got Thread Talk, you have this amazing company. Um, I know that you've been doing a lot of, of talking, you do a lot of speaking on the subject and really being an advocate for uh, for domestic violence and, and for the women really who are recovering from, from domestic violence. Tell me where, where do you go from here? Where do you see your path in the next 10, 20, 30, 100 years. <laughs> yes. So one thing I will say is I never stop learning. I never stop learning. I never stop listening. And so we Thread Talk is now, we just turned three in October. And sales and social media impressions, that's one thing. But going back to our core of what we really want to do is we want to empower these men and women. And so uh, along the progression, we started out just selling blankets. Then we invite them to share their stories on our social media and website. And sometimes it's the very first time that they've ever shared their story publicly. And we're giving a place for them to help empower them. And then to take it one step further, we're always continuing to listen and to learn and come up with new ideas and we're currently working on ways to help them kind of provide job opportunities within Thread Talk to help them find their ways for better to better lives. And so we've launched a program called the Thread Talk Trailblazers, where anyone can sign up and we're learning that it's really empowering these survivors to really give another avenue to help tell their story. But you become a Thread Talk Trailblazer and when you sell a blanket, 10% of the proceeds still go back to domestic violence shelters, but you also get 10%. And so you are earning money, you're sharing your story, you're being an advocate, even if you aren't a survivor yourself, to be an advocate. And so we're constantly evolving and changing and finding new ways that we can really help boil it back down all to our mission and keep it, <laughs> keep it real, mm -hmm. but keep it growing. And that's what's so important is to just every day to find new ways and trial and error. It may not work the <laughs> first time you try something. I didn't know if we would sell a single blanket. I had no idea, but I knew that if I didn't try, I would never know at all. Fantastic. I, I love everything about you. I love the I love your smile. You guys can't see her. I can, but she has a fantastic smile. I love your personality. I love your story. I love your your dedication and just your your positivity. Um, it resonates a lot with me. I'm so glad that we got a chance to talk. Please tell us how we can help. Obviously, I want you to tell us where to get some of these fantastic blankets that sound like perfect Christmas gifts. Um, yes. So tell us about that. Um, but also tell us maybe a little bit even beyond that, how do we support uh, domestic abuse survivors? What are ways that we can be advocates for them, even if we have not been, um, a, if we're not a survivor ourselves? Yes. Well, so you can find our blankets at threadtalk.com. You can also follow us on social media. Our handle is at ThreadTalkStrong. And again, with every anything you purchase on our website, we have blankets. We also have mugs and tumblers and little small items. But 10% of everything goes back to domestic violence shelters across the country. And how can you help? Thank you so much for asking that question. 
because, you know, sometimes the most important thing that seems so easy, but it was really even life-changing for me is to listen. Listen when someone wants to share their story because it's not easy for somebody to open up and start talking and really just to be that person who can listen because sometimes that's what we need to help get started to start the <laughs> to move forward right and but then on the other part of that is most importantly make sure they are safe that's the number one question i always ask is are you safe and then to be able to point them in the right direction if need be. We don't have to have all of the answers or know all of the resources, but just to know that they are out there. And domesticshelters.org, which is the organization where we also donate that provides the wish list items to domestic violence shelters, but it's also a place for resources right in your backyard. You can go in, you can type in your zip code and it tells you what all shelters and programs are right there in your area. And that's just one great place to, if you yourself aren't familiar, you can help point them in the right direction. Fantastic. I love it. Thank you so much. I can't wait to chat with you again. I'll have to start a whole new podcast to talk about a new subject so I can have you back just so we can chat. <laughs> well, thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it. Thank you so much for joining us on this episode of Fork in the Road podcast. I hope you enjoyed listening to this as much as I enjoy recording it. And if you found any wisdom in our conversation today, please do us and your friends a favor by sharing this episode. Help us reach even more women by liking and reviewing this podcast wherever you found us. And be sure to follow us on LinkedIn, Facebook, and Instagram. Until next time, thank you so much for listening.